Okay, so welcome to Don Brazos Bass Adventures. This is my first podcast. We talk about all things bass, river bassing, Brazos bassing, Texas bass fishing. See, I thought about that. I could have named it Texas Bass Adventures. I don't know. Maybe I'll get some feedback on that. Being that it's the Brazos, that's kind of limited. There's a lot of good places to fish in Texas. Um, Had a little... Spent about a year by Texoma. That was pretty good. Uh, Texoma is really hit and miss. Uh, When you do catch something... At Texoma, it's going to usually be pretty big. I'll tell you that. And you might go several times without even catching anything. And so, if you want to know anything about I know about the Texoma area, there's a lot of places to fish around Texoma that are actually better than Texoma. There's a lot of small little lakes that are actually really amazing and they produce I did a lot of online tournaments well I was out in that area did pretty good and then when I moved to Teague I found a little lake that I fished for all my online tournaments and actually increased my average catch up to 19 inches the last time So, but in Fort Worth, I I really couldn't find any consistency. You know, I was very limited, though, what I was fishing with. You know, just a catch-120. Can't really get around very well. Can't really do a lot of offshore. So, I started out, this is my story, really. I'm going to start out with, just kind of let it go. Um, start out with a Heritage 14 uh, that it tracked really well. Then got a Pescador 12 that tracked really well, but not very stable. It's great for rivers, like traveling, you know, putting in a lot of paddle miles, as you want to call it. Uh, then, you know, kind of broke in on the whole social media boom around 2012. You know, got my first smartphone about 2012-13. Started, you know, sharing with social media. Had a friend named... Talk about Jonathan Grummer and all. Who influenced me. I'll talk about him more later. Uh, we, you know, he goes by Jumping John. He actually does a a Bigfoot YouTube now, which is interesting. But he started me out with the fishing. He had a camera, and he took it with him, and he would make videos. Um, eventually, I was able to get a GoPro, and I started doing the same thing. 
uh, eventually, you know, then I went, as I was talking about earlier, from the Catch 120 to uh, getting the Hobie Pro Angler. And, I mean, it's great for lakes. So, be able to actually fish offshore some and graph. So, as my story goes, uh, I grew up in the 80s, and there was a big bass fishing boom then, because that's when they really started. There was a lot of lakes. They were dammed up, and that's when they really started to, uh, bass fishing really took off. As far as most of the lake records were in Texas were set in the 80s, early 90s. State record was caught in, I think, 92. It still holds today. Uh, at Lake Fork, it's like 17. Yeah, I think it's 17 pounds. Go get a cup. Get a cup. And, um, but I mean, yeah, if you go back and look at the state records, they were all pretty much set in the 80s and 90s. I got to be a part of that because my dad was, he had a boat, he was big in the bass fishing. I mean, I mean, I'd say he wasn't big, but we, we split our time between cat fishing and bass fishing. He had a little stint out there at Joe Pool. When Joe Poole first opened up, everybody thought it was going to be the next Mecca, and there was just, like, a lot of people out there. Uh, spent a lot of mornings out there freezing, you know, 20-degree weather. I was about 10 years old. Uh, from there, you know, I didn't bass fish after that. I think my dad kind of got out of it, and... I didn't really bass fish until uh, 2010. And with that, I started river fishing, actually. And we were just fishing off the bottom with live bait. And I uh, started to buy, got my first spinning reel and rod. And then at that time, you know, I started to buy some plastics and fish the dam release and caught some bass. It pretty much averaged like one. One a day was good. Kept me interested. Uh, I didn't have a kayak yet, eventually got one. I bought off my neighbor for $200. The Heritage 14. And it was a giant heavy kayak. I remember putting it on. Um, I think I had a blazer. Yeah, no, a Jimmy. They got a GMC Jimmy. Putting it on that. And then uh, I think Jonathan Grummer, he started to bass fish, so we kind of got into it at the same time. From there, we went on a few trips, kayak the river. I think we even did a float trip. My first float trip. It was a long, long day. Okay, I can remember that. And I think we got like two or three bass. 
um, from there, you know, I had to move back to Fort Worth. I was living at Whitney. I was not happy about moving back to Fort Worth at all. Tried to make the most of it and keep fishing. Which... Um, I desired to move back as soon as possible. And I did probably about a year later, uh, found a little house for like 350 a month in Whitney and moved back. Um, started kind of developing a Facebook page at that time, uh, for fishing and was dabbling and maybe starting to set up some kayak tournaments. I was on, you know, TFF, just kind of just throwing out some ideas for tournaments, got some good feedback. And from there, I was able to start some, which is really interesting because, you know, a lot of them guys, they have, they knew how, they already, knew what worked and what didn't work, you know. So, at that point, um, got my tax return one year, got a couple of kayaks, got my Pescador 12, a GoPro, and set up my first tournament, which would be at Aquila Lake. Uh, I had advertised on Craigslist and had about 10 people show up. It was a really good turnout. It's real, I can remember the day everybody had, see pretty much most everybody had waiters on except for me. I didn't really have a lot of extra money for equipment at that time. Which now, like, I have a pretty good set of weight, um, actual frog hog waders. But, um, I'm gonna have to get some more wading boots, for sure. Um, but I, I've also learned how I can just wear them with tennis shoes, too. But, you know, that first tournament, it was foggy. You couldn't see nothing. I was actually late. Uh, I had to get markers for everybody back then we didn't have tourney x or anything so you know we just did like photos and then i reviewed them i handed out markers either it was it'd be crayons and or it'd be highlighters some cheap rubber bands you know nobody ever knew what it was going to be exactly or what color they were gonna get. I get like a big old box and give them like two or three of the same color in case they lost it so we all knew what color they had. But I remember nobody caught fish that day. There was like no bites. There was people out there graphing though. One guy had a Hobie. That's my first experience with that. I got to watch him paddle around while I had to paddle. And he's just trolling. And I was like, wow. He's just trolling like a swim jig. 
Uh, remember that on the back side of this island, as you come out the bow ramp uh, cove, that's where I think it was a 13-pounder was caught on the back side of that island a few years back by a, a female angler in a tournament. Uh, I found that out later. Um, my experience with Aquila was not that great. You know, you catch a, there's like a bunch of humps, and I was able to catch some bass off those humps. But mostly, you know, tore up the sand bass most of the time. Never really had caught any bass um, in the upper part of the lake. It's very muddy. Very muddy lake uh, with lots of stumps. Um, I think most of the bass fishing is in the main part for probably oxygen reasons, structure. Lots of structure on that lake though. I don't really know why it's, it's a problem. There's, a, there's like a big old hump right in the center of the lake. And uh, it's a great spot. Comes up from about 20 feet. Um, if you fish by the dam too, there's caught some bass over there. Uh, water's a little clear. Um, some nice grass that goes into deep water, five, six feet. But from there, that was the first tournament. We didn't have any winners. So everybody got their money back. Um, and I, I'm trying to think, I think the next tournament was it. Yeah, it was actually at uh, Trading House, Trading House Creek. Over there, just east of Waco, it turned out a lot better. Uh, people were catching fish. So it was a really good one. I remember uh, I went the opposite of everybody else. They kind of went out to the center part of the lake in the coves. I went to the dam and fished by the dam. Fish the riprap and such. Uh, we had a winner of that tournament. We had this one guy. Uh, he came out with a friend, and I think he won a couple of tournaments. He was just fishing like a four-inch swim bait, one of the little plastic ones you get. I think the storm ones that you get at Walmart. I think that tournament was in March. And then I think our next one was at the Brazos River, actually. And Trading House, we had a turnout of about 10 to 12. And at the Brazos River, I think we had an even better turnout of about 15 people turned out for the tournament. We met at uh, Waco Park. Uh, I think it's called Brazos Park in Waco. Um, back then, it was kind of funny. I know people are going to probably laugh about this, but we used to include crappie and sand bass. 
So it was your biggest three out of bass, crappie, or white bass, as you can call them. We actually had people that caught some nice, big white bass, 14 inches. Um, I know in that tournament, I got two crappies and I got tied for third place. Which that area is a good crappie spot. And at that point, you know, when I first started fishing again, you know, as an adult, um, I was looking for something to do because basically before that, I would just, you know, go to the gym, play basketball, hit the weights. Had uh, my protein, no, that was my hobby. I moved out to the country to uh, Tasca. And I think it was like 2009, somewhere around there, 2000, yeah, 2009 or eight. And uh, my dad had some ponds. We lived about a quarter of a mile from his place, started catfishing. From there, eventually, I really liked it, go down to the dam and few times I liked that and I didn't fish the first few times I went down there below the dam at Whitney but you know I was like man I'm ready to move out to the lake like I'm let's move out to the lake you know it's cheap I mean, back then I like to swim take my tubes and uh from there found a house it's about a, a five bedroom like two bath right over there by the dam um, in Uncle Gus's, the marina. And from there, you know, started fishing. And I found, got that house, man, and then started going to the dam like every evening. I think I was working at a restaurant during the day, doing food prep. And in the evenings, man, I'd start hitting that dam, you know, when the spillway's running. I was out there trying, to, was out there pretty much every evening. Loved it. I think it was at Uncle Gus's where I landed a good one. You know, back then, didn't really have a smartphone or anything. We had a, a camera. And um, I was out there at Uncle Gus's. I was fishing a fluke, a big fluke too, and just letting it drop. I was fishing off one of the points, fishing it next to the, the boathouses. Bam, nailed a good bass. I think it was probably about 18, 19 inches. One of the best ones I've caught so far. I think I've been, you know, bass fishing for maybe just a few months. Really liked a striper fish. Had lots of spoons and stuff. Bam, took that bass home, you know, back then. He used to eat them. I first started fishing. That was like all the locals catch something good you know you're gonna bring it home take pictures of it eat it feed the family 
brought it home, took a picture of it. I think it's still on my Facebook. Had that stringer in his mouth. Later on, you know, found out, man, I should like to catch that guy again or what a waste. Especially on one that's a good size. You know, eventually started catching some 30-inch stripers. People started calling me out saying, oh, you should let it go. Don't bring that home. So that was all good. And, uh, you know, fishing at the dam, I would always look down the river and be like, man, I wish I could get down there somehow. People would tell me stories about how the fishing was so good down there. But realize, really, when the spillway's running, there ain't no better place to be than right there up by the dam. Didn't really have very good equipment. Lost a lot of big, probably big stripers, you know, with eight pound line. Didn't even know how to use the drag. Didn't even know what it was there for. Uh, would start to get a cast net when catch shad and fish them off the bottom. Just anything to catch something, you know. And uh, really revisited live bay fishing when I was on kayak wars. Again, uh, back in, this would be like 2010, but started revisiting live bait again, probably like 2000. 16 kayak wars because oh it wasn't just about bass it was about anything you know catfish too you know do anything for points and uh started you know catching live bait again and using them while i was bass fishing i would you know bottom fish in certain spots and you know I would take the kayak out and just fish off the shore. Uh, and then, you know, on the way to those spots, I would bass fish. Uh, hooked some nice bass. Actually, because on kayak wars, you could use that bait. So, that's what was so cool about it. Could use, you know, anything. Obviously, you know, to get catfish I mean you can catch catfish I've caught them on chatterbaits but not in a long time it's been only a few times but uh, there's a nice hole we used to set up and found caught some nice bass on actual worms live worms just fishing them on the bottom it's, uh, you know the bluegills would eat them up and Eventually, you get lucky and uh, hook into a nice bass. Actually, broke the reel seat on, see, I think it was on a rhino rod. If anybody remembers rhino uh, rods, uh, broke the reel seat. And this bass was probably about, I think it was a little over 21 inches, but... It was definitely during the spawn, so um, she was full. She was probably about 
she could have been pushing seven. She's fat. And up to that date, that was probably the biggest one I caught at that time. I did have another 21-inch, but uh, it was a very skinny one. Eventually, you know, set the catch and release record a little later on in that year for the Brazos River. But yeah, it's been quite a journey. Um, Probably going to have a part two to this. But, yeah, we're going to talk about the Brazos uh, swim baits for sure. I really want to discuss the hype. You know, what what environments are good to throw swim baits? What fisheries? Because, you know, you see a lot of production out of ponds because there's a real lack of food. And bass are just starving. So, you will see some catches out of there, but... I mean, there's just some fisheries that the swim baits have no sense in being thrown in. Um, maybe I can help you figure out what places you need to throw those swim baits at. But, you know, it's like the whole thing with fishing. It'll surprise you. Sometimes you'll catch something you never think you'd catch out of a lake. That would produce or anything. Uh, yeah, I just basically talk about the swim bait hype and how some of them are just improperly rigged for sure. There's a lot of modifications you can do. Discuss like definitely the most effective lures for what kind of lakes you're fishing. Found a little lake, East Texas. Uh, probably not even six feet deep at all. And uh, just a awesome topwater lake. Uh, Year-round, except for in the summer, they would pretty much just hold to the bottom. Maybe you have a lake like that around you. Um, a lot of people will ride it off because it's not popular. But, I mean, I produced... It was consistent. It even produced a few bass over 21 inches. Um, And it was probably a place that never had been stocked with Floridas. It's probably all native bass. Um, Never seen anything. Or anything even fished that lake uh, extensively. And never caught anything there. I mean, just like really short, fat, you know, bass didn't really have the Florida look at all. But yeah, I'm going to do some more podcasts. Um, I think the topics will be, you know, different techniques, obviously. The Brazos River, let's talk about, let's talk about the best holes on the Brazos. Uh would like to get some other people on this podcast to discuss uh, that river or Texas fishing in general. Be great. Uh, kayak fishing. That's what I exclusively do. Uh, did river bass in tournament. 
uh, but mostly I've done online stuff, uh, KBF online. Never did my own tournaments, then I did one kayak bassin tournament. So other than that, haven't done, that's about all I've done. Would like to get into some more. Would like to make, uh, maybe some people would be interested in some river trips, which would be fun to actually spend uh, a significant time on the river. Always love doing that. Actually, you know, fish some of these holes that aren't fished very often. They're kind of off the the float trip map, I would say. Um, know a few of those holes. Some big ones I've found lately. And talk about where all the big bass are, you know. They stay stay pretty close to the spillway. Um, they are a few miles down. I think the biggest one I've seen, I think, furthest down the river would be probably about 12 miles. I've uh, seen a 23-inch. So that's, that's a giant uh, bass. So they don't all hug just the spillway, or they don't all just sit in the first hole, because you know, a lot of people think they would stick in the first hole below the dam. And uh, sometimes I, I think they get washed down. Maybe y'all have some opinions um, why you can't find them. They get washed out. You know, last few years we've had a lot of rain. Uh, it's a lot easier to find them in, during drought seasons. You know, whenever there's a big drought and they're not moving around, they're staying stuck in one hole. So, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening and uh, we will put up another podcast soon.